Hello and welcome everybody to this week's edition of Sustainability Now with me, Justin Mogg, here on your community radio station. We are Forward Radio, WFMPLP Louisville, broadcasting at 106.5 FM from the historic Hayburn Building. And maybe we're, we're online with you today at forwardradio.org. You can always catch us there on our live stream or the podcast versions of our programs. And what we do each week on Sustainability Now is we bring in folks from around the community who are doing that good work of making sustainability a reality now. And when I think about the fundamental pillars of sustainability, no project happening in Louisville right now strikes all of them <laughs> more fully than the Louisville Community Grocery. And that is going to be the topic of our conversation today. When you want to think about a project that helps improve wellness and reduce environmental impact and create an economy that's just and works for everybody. A cooperative grocery serving our urban core is exactly what we need. So I'm excited to have two friends in the studio with me to talk about this issue today. Lisa Ann, or L.A. Markison, is here. She is a Louisville community grocery owner advocate, and she's also the founder and chief poetic officer, I think we all need one of those, of Ars Poetica. You can learn about her experiential poetry and maybe hire her to do some poetry services at your next event at Ars Poetica, A-R-S Poetica U-S. Welcome to the studio, L.A. Wow, thank you, Justin. I didn't know I'd be getting a free PSA. <laughs> that's right, that's Ooh. right. And also in the studio with me is Tomas Edison. Welcome, Tomas. How are you? I am fine. Tomas is a L professor of Spanish, and he's also a board member of the Louisville Community Grocery. And these two folks are kind of a little bit newer to the project. Some of us have been like, slogging away at this for three years think it's going nowhere and so we need this energy of the new folks like you to join us so that's what we're talking about today is like how exciting and the new developments that are happening so let's just get like a status update before we dive into like your personal stories and why you're getting involved what can you guys tell us about the current state of the grocery project well, one of the things that we are doing this year, uh, starting, well, actually started, we had our first pop-up shop yeah. in 2020. And that was actually a sustainability fair at the campus of the University of Louisville. And it was wonderful for us because it's giving us an opportunity to connect with the community. That's right. Because people really need to see that we're out there and we're doing something. And what's also surprising is because we are living this we assume everybody else knows about it. <laughs> and a lot of people on campus went, what is the Louisville Community Grocery Store? Exactly. So that was, that's was that been something that we're doing, and we're going to be increasingly doing that in the next year. Yeah. Yeah, that's been such a struggle for us, going from zero to 60, right? Like, we, we, we have this idea for a store. We don't have the physical store. So how do we get it out there and get people knowing about it, right? Mm -hmm. Correct. What else can you tell us about the current state of things? Well, if you're wondering how many owners we currently have oh. who have invested in the concept of the grocery, we are currently at 312 owner, member owner investors in the store. <laughs> and for anyone who's wondering, oh, well, 300 out of what? How, how far yeah, along yeah. On, on our way to our goal are we? To give you an idea of just how close we are to being able to actually sign a lease or buy a piece of land for the full-size grocery store, we only need 800 owners oh, wow. for us to make that decision. And then we need 2,000 owners to open our doors, which is just nothing in the grand scheme of things. We are like a full quarter of the way to where we need to be, it yeah. feels like. Mm -hmm. 
Yes. And it's really, really exciting. And the other big update for me is for the first time, I have my own office. Yeah. Tell us about that. Yes. So we have moved out of the realm of living rooms and coffee shops and (laughs) ideas and into the realm of our own little pied de terre. And uh, it's this adorable little 200-year-old shop on the corner of Oak and South 6th Street, very close to the U of L main campus. And we have a little storefront so people can come in, see us. You know, we just keep the door wide open, put some cafe chairs out front so people can hang out, nice. and enjoy the fall breeze. And then, of course, you have me in the back slogging away on my laptop. And then a back garden where we can socialize and enjoy each other and continue to build these big ideas. Kind of a home base HQ as we as we build this thing. So let's back it up a little bit for listeners who are just unfamiliar with cooperatives. What does it mean to be a member of the Louisville Community Grocery? That means that you play a role in helping to locate a grocery store in a community that is a food desert. Right. And the members of the co-op, they actually have an opportunity to choose what's in the grocery store. So it's not a grocery store to make profit. I was just thinking about this the other day. You know, a lot of times in the grocery stores, we have 15 different detergents and they're very expensive because a lot of them is, you know, advertisement. And with the co-op, you pick one or two items and you make sure that they are responsible companies. Yeah. And it makes life much easier. Also, you know, a lot of products, there's a lot of advertisement. So it costs a lot because of the advertisement. While a lot of new companies, especially ones that are sustainable, they might charge a little bit more but they don't get the attention they deserve. And I think that a co-op would do that. Yeah, yeah. Another way I like to think about it, I mean, you said it's not to make profit. Revenue will be generated. Like the store needs to be profitable to stay open, mm-hmm. but it's not about extracting wealth. Correct. Right? Like that's the difference of a, of a corporate grocery, a Kroger, like they're there to extract wealth from the community. Whereas a cooperative grocery is there to build wealth in mm-hmm. the community. And so when you become a member, you're putting some your money down. You're making an investment, right? Yeah, absolutely. And we have a few different points of entry because accessibility and really a reparations mindset is huge for the grocery and huge for our mission. So if you're a student or a senior citizen or you have economic barriers, it is only $25, a one-time investment to be a full owner for life. Wow. If you have any sort of, maybe you just have like a classic capitalist wage job and it's hard for you to throw down the full fee all at once, you can actually pay in installments and pay the full typical fee of 150. If you are well off, you can pay your 150 straight from the start, get it out of the way, never think about it again. And you have the option of actually donating extra to subsidize a low barrier ownership. Yeah, that's exactly what I did when I joined. Like, I, I don't want this store just smart for man, me. Smart man, smart uh, man. I want this for the whole community. <laughs> so I'm willing to not only invest my time in volunteering and help getting started, but some of my money, too, to, to not just have my own ownership, but to subsidize those those ownerships for other members of the community who deserve to have a place in this grocery project uh, and, and, and shouldn't be limited just because of their, their lack of wealth to be able to invest that way. It's kind of a different way of thinking about doing business in general where the community 
actually, like you were saying, Tomas, gets to control the organization and the decisions. And what's exciting to me about it is it will help combat this phenomenon that we've seen throughout downtown Louisville of stores just up and closing all of a sudden without mm-hmm. any consultation with the community. It's just a corporate decision like, yep, this one Second Street Kroger is not making enough money for us. We're just going to close it and we're going to inv- reinvest in our suburban stores. And all of the people who used to shop there who are on wheelchairs in old Louisville, right, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and have very limited or no transit access, right, uh, no car, suddenly they've got no grocery store to go to. That's That will not happen with a community grocery, right? No, it will not. And I think that a community grocery will also be able to be kind of like a community center where people can come. I know that there's one group that's working on healthy food because one of the things that happens in the food deserts is people grab whatever is cheap and whatever is easy to get. And a lot of those things are not healthy. Right. So it will be nice that the co-op can have workshops on healthy eating and i have to put in a plug for one of the things i'm really passionate about are people in west louisville that are farmers that grow produce yeah i'm one of them there are many people that are growing things in their backyard and i think that a co-op would be a good spot for them to be able to contribute to their neighbors that's right that's right that's the other sort of economic piece of this is that a co-op's better position to source locally because it's not this big corporate giant that has all these contracts with suppliers all around the world, right? Like we can really have someone walk in with a few baskets of raspberries and say yes to that kind of a person, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yes. and, and so that really does lower the bar for access for our local farmers, our small scale growers. And a lot of those people are probably doing with, with uh, without chemicals because they're not large scale agriculture, right? So you're, you're liable to get more of that organic sustainably produced food, even if it isn't certified as such, right? There's all that whole different conversation. But that's one of the other things about the store that is exciting to me, like you said, is supporting our local farmers too, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the thing is, when you're producing food on a human scale in the reasonable season of its growth, you don't need pesticides the same way you do when you're dealing with huge monocultures that Mm -hmm. aren't right for the climate. Right. You know, if you save your raspberry time for the time when raspberries are ripe and you plant your raspberries with a couple other complementary crops, everything works together. I actually volunteer in a community garden 10 feet away from our headquarters called the Garden of Goodness. Oh, yeah. That is, for the most part, about the food ministry of Calvary Episcopalian. And it's it's run by God of course, but brother, brother Tim as well. And there are no fences. There are no rules. It is completely open to the public. Well, there's one rule, which is that you're not supposed to sleep in the garden overnight. That's the only rule. Unless you're a sweet potato. Yeah. The sweet potatoes can stay overnight. That's it. But we have all of these greens and stuff growing all the time. And almost never do people even bother them. You know, I think putting up fences and making these boundaries and saying, this is mine and no one can touch it, actually is what compels people to act out or act in a way that's deemed wrong by society. But when you say, hey, this is for everyone. We want everyone to enjoy this. Mm -hmm. Guess what? Everyone takes what they need and nothing more. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Well, okay, let's talk about why you guys got involved in this project specifically. Tomas, let's start with you. What what was your connection to the Louisville Community Grocery? Doug Lowry. He was a friend of mine. Isn't he awesome? I was telling him that I wanted to find some kind of way to volunteer. And later that day, he sent me a text and said, would you be interested in being involved with the Louisville Community Grocery Store? So I joined that day. 
And later on, he said, asked me about being on the board. Uh-huh. And, you know, I talked with him and I got involved. And now I'm starting to learn all this information that there's been a lot of work that has been happening yeah. in the last three yeah. years. Yeah. It's like this slow train run by volunteers. All volunteers. And now we're really excited that we have Elisa Ann Markison, <laughs> that is our first salary person. And that is a step up that we're actually able to do a lot of things because now we have a person who is not volunteering. Yeah. So, and, and in some some ways, that's which means you that hard. you can you can order me around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we do that with volunteers too. That's true. Yes. <laughs> no, but I think it is really important to have someone that you you know when you're working with all volunteers. It's hard to ask people, can you give more? Oh, can you right. give more? Yeah, know. You know, everyone has busy lives. You, you all have careers and families. And it's great. I, I love being able to take on the role of, hey, this is my only major project. Okay. So you can call me up and say, hey, do this. And guess what? I'm probably going to be able to get it done by the end of the day because wow. because I'm here for you. Wow. So it's very cool to be able to take some of these awesome ideas that have been just like almost like fresh fruits on the branch and just pluck them at the perfect moment. Okay, now mm-hmm. we're now we're going. We're, we're taking these ideas and we're harvesting. So very right cool. On. Very, very proud. Yes. Well, how did it, how did you get involved, Lisa Ann? I mean, you're a poet. Uh, what was your connection to this whole project? Well, you know, poets love food too. You know, everyone's got to eat. Gotta eat. <laughs> <laughs> you know the the old phrase, "starving artists." Uh, well, but funny enough, actually, for years and years before I took this job a month ago, now I worked as an entrepreneur, as kind of a social entrepreneur, at helping artists to make sustainable careers for themselves nice. and booking artists at events and helping artists stand up for themselves when it comes to doing business and learn how to survive in this extractive capitalist economy. And that was so, so rewarding. And really, it's my life's calling to do that type of work. And the major, major reason that I focused on poetry was because I believe language is the sort of most accessible and yet the most beautiful and elegant tool we have to connect and build empathy. And so representing poets and language artists has been really like my heart. Fast forward seven years and COVID hit and I realized that my business model, uh, which was mostly relying on booking artists for live events, was completely shattered for the time being. And I thought, you know, Trump is president. COVID is here. The Black Lives Matter racial reconciliation reckoning movement is is here. I don't want to just work on a for-profit project anymore. I want to work on something that is really, really mission driven and is going to actually create a better world directly. Mm-hmm. And so I took I took a few months to just rest and reflect at the beginning of the pandemic. And I told my fiance, I said, you know, I think I'm ready to look for a job. <laughs> I think I'm ready to look for something. And I want it to be working with an org that really needs my talents, but is not in the entertainment industry anymore. And meanwhile, we had just become owners of the grocery and we, we joined the owner outreach committee and the first owner outreach committee meeting that we go to, they're like, all right, so we got a grant and we have this position. (laughs) <laughs> and we need someone who's really entrepreneurial and can guide themselves and who's really passionate and energetic. And we get off the call and I was like, Devin, that's my job. 
Wow. That is that is my job. Wow. And I just applied for it, and I just knew. I just knew that this was absolutely the work that I had wow. to do. Oh, it's, lo- it's it so is. nice when life works like yeah. that. <laughs> it's very nice with the whole um, not having to apply for many jobs. That was awesome. <laughs> oh, my guests today here on Sustainability Now are talking about the Louisville Community Grocery. We haven't mentioned it yet, but you can learn more and become a member today at LouisvilleCommunityGrocery.com. It's that easy. Or you can stop by the new headquarters on 6th Street, just south of Oak, and visit Lisa Ann Markison, who's our new Louisville Community Grocery owner advocate. And Tomas Edison is also joining me in the studio. He's a professor at U of L, but he's also now a board member of the Community Grocery. So tell us more about the ownership campaign. Why is it so important that we get this 800 owners why is that the magic number and and why can't we just open the store right now well i'll field this one because you know it's literally my job description (laughs) uh and if you don't mind i'll rewind just a tiny bit because i just want to make sure that people understand the the model really clearly yeah please do when i'm talking to anyone about this who is not familiar with cooperative economics in general i think the easiest way to gain an understanding is okay so where do you shop for your groceries Me, before I found out about the food apartheid that Kroger perpetuates in the city and probably elsewhere, I was shopping at Kroger. It was the closest thing to me. It has decent prices, I guess. So what happens when you shop at Kroger? You walk in and you see food that you didn't choose, Mm -hmm. prices that you don't know how they're decided upon. Yeah, really. They're so mysterious. You see a bunch (laughs) of anonymous workers that you don't know how they're treated, and you don't know where the profit goes. You, You know, money is extracted and goes to Mr. Kroger millions and millions of dollars a year whatever the guy's name is i can't remember it's fine <laughs> and at the end of the day you don't you don't know when the store is going to be open you don't know if it's going to be open tomorrow you show up and you get what you get and that's it right so imagine all of those decisions all of that power being taken away from the foreign entity and distributed equally amongst the group of owners. So the owners are essentially early stage founder investors who get to throw a little skin in the game to be a part of the democratic process of choosing everything that matters to you about what you eat and how you eat it and how you engage with your local economics every single day, three times a day, if you're lucky. (laughs) So that's, that's really the meat and potatoes of it or the tempeh and potatoes if you're a vegan. (laughs) So to come to your question of why 800 members, someone I was talking to the other day was like, wow, how did you think of this idea? And I was like, whoa, 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 sir. I did not think of this idea. (laughs) This is a tried and true model that has succeeded across the world. That's an important Mm. point. There are cooperative groceries that have been around since World War II and even before. So the reason 800 is because that's just the, when you look at a population density of our city and you look at the neighborhoods that we're looking at, Old Louisville and near West Louisville, like Russell Parkland area, once you get to about 800 people that have committed, that means that you know you have a market base that is aware of you. It's almost like a market study. Mm-hmm. When that many people are willing to throw so throw some money in the game and say, I want to shop with you, you know those are going to be your customers and that you can sustain the store of our size. Yeah, that's that's really well said. So so all this these numbers and this market study, all this research has been going on for years now through the volunteer labor of that Thomas mentioned of people involved in this project. And that's what we found from researching other successful co-ops, mm-hmm. basically, is we know what, what it takes to get this thing launched. 
and we have lessons all around us. Like you said, it, this is this is not that new a concept, but it, it's also a modern concept in the sense of you just have to go to Lexington to find a functioning food co-op, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Like we can learn from these other projects, as we, and that's what we've been doing as we're trying to figure out our path forward. So now is the time to invest and join to make this thing a reality. There's really no reason to wait. Uh, a lot of people seem to like, well, I got to know exactly where it is before I invest. And I can, I can kind of understand that. But if you believe in the whole idea of community ownership of a grocery store, then you shouldn't be so insistent that then it has to be on my block or I'm not joining. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and you can just be conscientious of what are the, the trends in consumption. Yeah. You know, most people are willing to drive up to about three to five miles right. for the grocery that they want to sustain. Yeah. So we are looking at a really relatively small space here, you know, a two mile square from like 6th-ish street, you know, in the middle of Old Louisville out to like 24th-ish street Uh in West Louisville. And we're looking from from Main Street to about Hill Street. So like that's a square that's like Hey, if you're not if you're not willing to travel that far, right. like I have a pretty good idea you're probably traveling to Trader Joe's right now. So <laughs> Yeah. And if you're not a member, you can't have a say in what happens in this store, right? And so if you want a store where you've got a passion for, you know, bulk bulk goods or mm-hmm. your thing is about really good seafood or whatever it is, like now is the time to join and have a voice in that and help shape this project. Uh, this is the time to join. So you can go to LouisvilleCommunityGrocery.com to join. Well, what are the ways that we're thinking about the community grocery contributing to addressing some of our environmental challenges? I know we're hoping that this store will be more eco-friendly, but let's make that concrete a little bit for listeners. Oh, my God, that's a really good question. And it's one of the things that at the sustainability fair, you know, I was talking about a lot of different ways that the grocery store can be sustainable. One is vermicomposting rather than throwing away cardboard and paper and, you know, produce that is spoiled to put it in a garbage can and to have it go into a landfill is a waste. It should be a crime. Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, we don't need any more crimes in this country. <laughs> and then the other way it could be sustainable is by allowing people in the neighborhood. Like, for example, one of my neighbors, she specializes in cakes and cupcakes. Oh, this yeah. was the Jerusalem artichoke cupcakes. And I can tell that she's got a talent and she wants to do something with it, but there is no way, there's no space, but a grocery store that would give her an opportunity to produce something that you can tell she's passionate about. And I think that's the key thing is the community grocery store and being on the board, part of it is to find what people are passionate about. Mm -hmm. Because when their passions come out, then it's not work. It's like their joy. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Absolutely. And I mean, we're talking the sky's the limit. You know, do you ever play SimCity? When you were a kid? No, but I'm aware of some city. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you get to build your own town and decide where things are going to go. And, uh, you know, you build this whole thing from scratch. And we can make a green roof if we want to. That's right. We can actually, we were just talking with the real estate committee the other day. We could buy a piece of property that has enough space to have a small farm on our property. Ooh, Talk yes. about fresh greens, right? Yeah. What, you pay $2 a pound and you can cut your own lettuce. Yeah. Why, why not, you know? <laughs> We, we can do anything that we want. And, I mean, bulk is definitely a huge thing. People have talked about that a lot. The people that gravitate toward a project like this, we have 
have a lot of shared values. You know, people are like, hey, what? how could we rethink this so that there's no plastic involved? Yeah. And mm-hmm. then instead of having to think of that on your own and avoid, you have 2,000 of your friends that you can bounce an idea off of. Yeah. And Not I just think, no, no plastic, but you get the quantity you want at a better price with bulk, yeah. right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I always think it's crazy that we, we go to the grocery store and we take the quantity that the market thinks we want for... Eight apples in a plastic exactly. net. Exactly. Wait mm-hmm. a minute. What if I just want a, a cup of rice because I've never tried this kind of rice before and I'm not sure I can make this recipe right? Or if I'm in the middle of a recipe and I just need to run down to the store and grab something maybe i don't want a huge quantity of it oh man you think about costco quantities that's a whole different story of <laughs> yes. but i just love having a bulk bin where i can just take out as much as i want for the day and not have to like do whatever the market's telling me to do <laughs> one of the things that lisa ann was telling me the other day which was fascinating is the idea that people can come and bring their own bottles and yeah. get shampoo or get yes. dishwashing liquid, which is something that not a lot of people really get. But if you get a discount, uh-huh. a lot of people would say, well, you know what? I can do that. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. and the thing it's like you buy something once, you buy the bottle once, and then you can keep that bottle. Just yep. carry that bottle in. It's so inspiring. There's actually a new shop that just opened out. Shout out to another local small biz. Forage, the cool plant store that's been over on the East End, they just opened a new shop on 4th Street that has also the bulk section where you can get lotions and oils and a bunch of different stuff. It's uh, Forage times Coco. So it's like two different brands that have um, partnered up with this. And uh, so when you come down to visit me in the HQ on 6th Street, (laughs) you can also loop around and visit our friends at Forage times Coco on 4th. Awesome. So. <laughs> tell them that we sent you. <laughs> <laughs> Can I back up a little bit and talk about the Jerusalem artichoke? I'm glad that you flagged that. Jerusalem artichokes. Uh, you you had these out at, at the UofL Arbor Day celebration, and I think our listeners need to know, what the heck is this? What are you talking about? Oh, my God. Jerusalem artichokes. Okay, when I describe them, if you go down the highway in the summer... You will see these plants, and they are sunflowers. They're in the sunflower family. They're on the side of roads, and they're very very prolific. If you plant one by the end of the fall, you will have tons of them. They're in the potato family, and they look like ginger. A lot of people think that it's ginger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's root. The little tuber. Yeah, it looks like ginger. And it it doesn't have much of a taste, but Mm -hmm. it's really, you can fry it. Like a uh, potato. Like a potato. But like with this kind of like a light, grassy, citrusy note. Oh, wow. You know, just like a so subtle. But let me just tell you, it's not something that people usually would associate with the flavors of a cupcake. A cupcake, yeah. Right. So this was a wildly <laughs> creative recipe with like walnuts and raisins and Jerusalem artichokes. We were quizzing everyone. You know, you get a free cupcake if you can even identify what this alien root is. No one got it. I don't think anyone actually guessed it right off, even nope, though I didn't. said, think of the Holy Land. No one. <laughs> Nobody. There were a lot of good guesses, though. There was turmeric people were coming up with like ginger all these things that look like it but it's very different than that so you've got a neighbor who makes these yes i'll give ann edmonds i'm giving you a shout out all right ann uh she you know her thing is to make cakes and cupcakes out of vegetables because she told me that you can make cakes 
out of any vegetable. Wow. You know, and I started thinking about it. And what I'm about like, tomatoes? Tomato. <laughs> They're is, a fruit. It's a fruit. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> wow. I really shone in my biology there. Well, and, it makes sense. I mean, you've heard of Everybody knows carrot, carrot cake, cake, right? Yes. That's delicious. And, and sweet a, potato pie. Sweet yes. Yes. pumpkin. Yeah, so rhubarb pie also. Rhubarb. No, I'm thinking yeah. about. Wait, is that a that's it a vegetable? Is, it's right? vegetable. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's one of those things that's bringing to people that's a sustainable product. Yeah. You know, just like bamboo is a sustainable product. Right. And we need to kind of look toward those things as opposed to getting things that are very rare, that cost a lot of money, because most of us can live without those things. Right, right. Wait, but surely you couldn't make a cake out of broccoli. <laughs> oh, mothers across the nation would love that. Broccoli cake. Ann Edmonds, if you're listening, please make me a broccoli <laughs> cake. I just learned you can make really good uh, broccoli pesto. So why not? <gasps> oh, you know the, the basil season's kind of over, but you Genius. can still get broccoli and just substitute it for the uh, basil, and you'll have some good pesto. Mm-hmm. It's um, funny that we're talking about this because it's actually making me so nostalgic. And I'm sorry, Tomas, you've heard the story like a hundred <laughs> times already. But when I was a young teen, 13, 14, 15, I discovered cooking, and I became oh, a vegetarian. Yeah. And there was a food co-op in my town, Sacramento, which is now, by the way, huge state-of-the-art new building, like the go-to best market in the wow. middle of downtown. So that's our future. <laughs> and it was the only place that I could find interesting ingredients from all around the world, health, oh, yeah. healthy ingredients, the rarer things. So this is really something that bringing this store into existence is going to make available to you things that will enrich your life, your existence by being able to try these more experimental, interesting, exciting things with like-minded people from all over the city, all different demographics. And while supporting local growers, I know during the pop-up stores, we supported Ag in the City. Mm-hmm. That's where we sourced our pumpkins. So. We still have pumpkins left over, by the way. So y'all come down. I'll give you a pumpkin with your ownership as a free gift. Did That's you say awesome. the store was at 6th and Oak Street mm-hmm. yep. on the corner? Close to the corner? Right next to the corner, yeah. Oh, my Sixth God. 6th and Oak. Do you have hours? The official hours currently are only two days a week because it's, like, you know, still in yeah. flux. Yeah. But I am definitely always in the shop from noon to 5 on Friday and Saturday. Cool. And otherwise, you can just, like, DM us on Instagram or Facebook or just, like, you know, call me up, and I can come by anytime. And all those links are at louisvillecommunitygrocery.com. You can find the links to the social media there. We're talking about the Louisville Community Grocery here on Sustainability Now today uh, with Lisa Ann Markison, who's our new owner advocate, and uh, Tomas Edison, who's a board member, getting an update on the state of things, this project which has been so long in the making and is finally, uh, in this year, when there's so much bad news and, and, and sadness going on, it really does feel like a shining light in our community that there's been such positive developments around the grocery and certainly the big news that maybe maybe our listeners have heard of is that the louisville metro council approved three and a half million dollars to support they said quote the louisville community grocery now it's gone back and forth about did we really mean that or maybe any project what can you tell us about the three and a half million dollars and how that's going to help that money is going to give us an opportunity to either build a store yeah, or really. purchase a space, it will give us a big jump start. Yep. Rather than waiting to get members, it would be nice. It would also help us to receive that injection that we need from 
the government from the yeah. from the city of Louisville to say we have faith in you and we know that you can do something good with this. Well, and it's it's about time because I mean the the city has been explicitly saying that we need a downtown grocery for a long, long time. Yeah, don't mm-hmm. city governments give millions and millions of dollars to like sports stadiums <laughs> and like parking lots and Omni stuff? Omni hotels, you know. Yeah. So like where are those people getting their food, I wonder? Exactly. It's it's we're so quick to give money away to corporate developers who have a track record, but giving it to a community group that's starting a grocery themselves, ooh, that seems risky. I don't know. So I'm really glad that the Metro Council was finally able to like put on their big boy pants and say yes we're going to support <laughs> this thing um, and it, it definitely like you say it, it'll help us really get started because that's I mean when you're starting with no capital or you know the, the capital we've accumulated from some grants uh, and from our community investors it's not quite enough to get there without a little bit of government support uh, and then hopefully we'll be able to sustain ourselves once we're open and once we've got that brick and mortar but it does take a lot to get there and so i agree with you thomas i think this is going to be what pushes us over the line finally (laughs) and i want to give a shout out to those grant writers because they are really following grants and it's one of those things that's hidden they're hidden behind the scenes but without them we wouldn't really be able to do a lot of the things that we're doing yeah. Do you, do you either know how many volunteers we've gotten involved in this project right now? Well, with 312 owners, we've really had a cycling group of volunteers coming in and out. You yeah. know, you, yeah, get, yeah. you get tired, you have something you need to work There's on with your family out. or yep. school, et cetera. So people take a break. But we've had at least 50 people who have really been very active and having sustained commitments. And actually, now that here I am trying to build even a little bit more sustainability and sort of um, some framework around the work uh, we have a new list of like 20 very specific volunteer roles that require just an hour or less per week Mm -hmm. that you can just commit to doing your role that can be most of them can be done remotely in whatever time you need so anyone that's interested in that can just I'll send you the link to the doc. You look through and see what looks good to you and just sign up. And everyone then has, again, a point person, me, to manage them and support them in any way that they need. Well, give us a feel. What are some of those kinds of roles? Gosh, some of the ones that are really important right now are we could use someone with data. We could use someone that's kind of like, you know, in systems and in tech would be really awesome. I actually just spoke to a guy who lives across the street from our office. He had been like watching us from his window and he came down like, what are you doing? And he's a data scientist. So he's, he's excited. Um, we, we could use artists. We have these awesome walls in the space. We have, we need more, uh, like materials to share with the community. Um, so art would be amazing at visual and otherwise we have this beautiful back garden. What if we could have like a socially distanced open mic night once a week? Um, we could really use folks that want to do door knocking and just Talk to people in the neighborhood, let people know, because as great as Facebook and Instagram advertising are for what they are, really it's meeting your community and speaking to people face-to-face that yeah. brings in new people. And that actually, social media is another one. We're doing a whole new social media plan that's crowdsourced so that we have a lot of different diverse voices all sharing what's important to them. So we have like one day of the week dedicated to words of wisdom with one of our board members, Dolores. Another one's going to be all um, spices and herbs from around the world and how they're used with a couple of our owners. Um, And we have like two or three more days of the week 
to fill still. So if you're passionate about something that's related to our mission, you could actually be a curator on a, a decent sized platform. Oh, that's awesome. And you don't have to work Oh, on... and also toilet scrubbing is another really toilet important thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm we just have kidding. toilets now? Wow. We do have a toilet, though. So if you're ever just in the neighborhood and you just need a quick bathroom break, you can also just come by. <laughs> and you don't have to work alone, right? There's committees. There's work groups working on different projects. You want to give us a feel for what some of those are? Yeah, committees. We have ownership and outreach, which is near and dear to my heart. Yeah, we I have know. operations, which also has a lot of subgroups, including the health outcomes group and the nutritional food, that kind of work. We have the nominating committee, which actually helps us keep new board members coming into the yes. board. What else am I missing? Well, the pop-up shops, which fit. Pop-up shops is in ownership outreach, um, right? Kind and of that's stuff. one area that we can use volunteers, people yeah. to kind of like help set things up. Uh, and it's not a big commitment, like three or four hours to be yeah. able to t interface with the public. And if you are owner now, you are a person who would be the best to explain what Louisville Community Grocery Store does. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. And I, I bring you greetings from my colleague and fellow Forward Radio host, Brian Barnes, who I just spoke with. He, I know he's been talking with you, Tomas, and he's been uh, communicating with, he's got some, some contacts at, at Heine Brothers, and they are very excited about the idea of hosting some pop-up shops, maybe at some Heine Brothers. We could do some outreach at the local coffee shops, maybe in the winter, and it's too cold to do it outside. So that, that. that could be an exciting We're development. excited. We're yeah. ready. We're yeah. also thinking about, we're going to be doing a Christmas holiday tree sales. Oh, nice. Um, so if you are want a holiday tree and you want to support Louisville Community Grocery Store, get in touch with us oh, because wow. we haven't d nailed down all the details yet, but it's coming. Oh, good. Oh, that's exciting. I love that. Yeah, actually, for the holiday season, we're going to do the 12 days of cooperation. And so we're going to have 12 different activities that all align with our mission and our values and how we like to engage with the community. So we're going to do the Christmas trees and we're going to do actually urban tree pruning going oh, out yeah. with, um, we're going to go out. coalition. Yes. Yes. That's yes. It. We're hey, going out with them to Ford do radio community partner. Yes. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much. We're going out with them and then we're doing, uh, wreath making yes. with the bike co-op and, yes. So uh, look out on social for announcements about that, too, because you're going to be able to basically get holiday presents for everyone you know yeah. by supporting us. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that's another local co-op to shout out the Fall City Community Bike Works, a, a local cooperative bike shop. Same idea where you mm -hmm. can become a member and have access to the shop and its tools and its used parts and used bikes, which you can't find those at your average you know, corporate shop. So it's the exact same model. Uh, and, and we're talking about food, but it's it's really an ecosystem i mean all of these different small businesses community businesses can really support one another and build a more sustainable local economy to me that's what it's ultimately about right yeah it is it yeah. is and if there's people that you know listening to this if you work in an environment where you feel like this would connect with your colleagues talk with us because we can come up with some type of pop-up shop, some type of idea, some type of celebration, some way to help people to understand that there is an opportunity for them to do something to change. Because right now, a lot of people are thinking, well, what can I do? And not everybody are, not everybody's able to be an activist, but you can make your contribution in the way that it works for you. Mm -hmm. And one way would be to support a cooperative grocery store. That's right. That's right.
And, you know, when we were just talking about that, and one, one project it made me think of was uh, the Louisville Community Groceries partnership with Feed the West that mm-hmm. we've been doing recently. Uh, those kinds of things don't, don't happen without this community support and this sort of ecosystem. Feed the West sort of grew out of the Black Lives Matter movement and this, this issue of the food apartheid we're seeing in Louisville, the lack of com- community or any kind of grocery store in, in, in the West End. And so Louisville Community Grocery got together to supply volunteers grocery bags and use some funds along with the community farm alliance to purchase local produce produced by black farmers locally mm-hmm. uh, and just uh, I was doing some of that volunteering just going door to door like you were saying earlier mm-hmm. knocking on doors do you want some free produce and people's eyes just lit up they were so excited <laughs> <laughs> you got what now <laughs> yeah it's amazing people say like oh Americans poor Americans they we don't want to eat healthy yeah we're right. just we always just choose unhealthy things (laughs) guess what if you give someone access to fresh beautiful healthy local produce we all want it yes we just Mm -hmm. we just go for the things that are produced corporate uh in huge quantities in like little tin cans because those are the things that are on every corner yeah yeah or it's all we could afford so lowering the bar for affordability i mean is another important part of this but access 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 to fresh food is is what we really need in this city and so i want to honor you too for your support of this really really important work uh we're in our last couple minutes i just want to give you both a chance to say anything we didn't get to talk about any particular thing you're excited about coming up to share as we close lisa ann anything you want to share well, I guess I just want to say one of the things that's come up for me in the past couple months as I've become involved on this level and as I've become much more of an activist and as I've reckoned with the white supremacy of our country yeah. and as I've struggled with the alienation of our day-to-day lives in general and then also the acute alienation of COVID yeah. and having you know an autocratic president... Being involved with the Louisville Community Grocery has become solace across every pain point in my daily life. (laughs) It's a connection on the social level that's just so rewarding with so many friendly, loving people. It's the food, it's the big ideas and the mission, and it's it's what's possible for the future, all within your hometown, you know? And that's really, um, I think that joining with other people that are optimistic and hardworking and wanna be friends and collaborators has been just so meaningful. So join us. That's beautiful. Tomas, I bet you're gonna trouble topping that (laughs) oh my god yes um i'm from louisville and i graduated from uofl uh, with my bachelor's and my master's i moved back to west louisville into my childhood home oh wow and i just want to kind of give a shout out to individuals that live in west louisville Mm. that the louisville community grocery store needs you we need your input we need you to become members and we need you to tell us what it is that you want in order to make your life more significant, make your life more powerful, and kind of like help us to change the direction that we've been going into in the last four years. But thank goodness it's changed now. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. What a way to celebrate and end. Yes. Thank you all for joining me in the studio. You've been listening uh, to Tomas Edison, a UVL professor of Spanish and a Louisville Community Grocery Board member, and Lisa Ann Markison, who is our new Louisville Community Grocery owner advocate. You can learn more at LouisvilleCommunityGrocery.com. Thank you both so much for joining me. Thank, Thank you, you for inviting us. All right. Stay tuned, everybody. Coming up in just a second, your community action calendar. Lots of ways to get involved in making sustainable 
sustainability a reality now here in Louisville, so stay tuned. I was a child, I walked these hills, drank from the streams, and heard the whippoorwills, and I ran through the fields just as fast as I could, through rocks in the creek, from the deep green woods, climbed up on the mountain, there as fresh as could be. Let my Kentucky soul fly free, fly free, fly free Down from the Ohio to the Big Sandy And up in the mountain hollow Oh man, it is a new dawn in America and I feel fine. Hello everybody, my name is Justin Mogg. You're still listening to Forward Radio and Sustainability Now. And you're also listening to the fine sounds of Apple Latin. Many thanks to them for giving us permission to use their music on our local podcasts that you can find at forwardradio.org. You can learn more about them at applelatin.com. Now it's the time on the show when we take a look at our community action calendar. You know, sustainability can happen now if we all get involved in making it so. And this week is no different. There's always stuff to do here in Louisville. And uh, lots of educational events coming up this week on Wednesday the 11th at 5.30 p.m. It'll be the 14th annual Uvel and Braden Memorial Lecture. It's taking place virtually for the first time ever. The title is Calling in the Call Out Culture, and it will feature Loretta Ross, a visiting associate professor at Smith College in the Program for the Study of Women and Gender. Dr. Ross teaches courses on white supremacy, reproductive justice, and calling in practices. She has spent more than 45 years committed to anti-racist and feminist activism, including founding the National Chapter for Human Rights Education. She started her career in activism and social change in the 70s, working with the D.C. Rape Crisis Center, now, the National Black Women's Health Project, the Center for Democratic Renewal, the National Anti-Klan Network, and Sister Song, Women of Color Reproductive Justice Collective, among others. Her work with rape and trauma survivors in the 70s helped launch the movement to end violence against women. Since then, her writing has been featured in the New York Times, Time Magazine, Washington Post, and elsewhere. Her most recent books are Reproductive Justice, an introduction co-written with Ricky Solinger, and Radical Reproductive Justice. Foundations, Theory, Practice, and Critique, both of which were published in 2017. Her forthcoming book is Calling in the Call-Out Culture, Detoxing Our Movement. It's due out soon. She has trained educators and social justice advocates nationwide to conduct empathetic, forthright conversations confronting injustice. Her timely lecture helps us move from a necessary season of anger and protest into the daily grind of justice work. You'll want to learn more about it this Wednesday, November 11th at 5.30 p.m. Again, it'll be online and you can find the link to join at louisville.edu slash sustainability. You'll find the events there for calling in the call-out culture coming up Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. 
Thursday's a big day in Louisville for sustainability. Uh, lots of events going on on Thursday the 12th from 9 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. It'll be the follow-up, the Illuminating the Intersections. Reproductive justice is racial justice. The UofL Ann Braden Institute for Social Justice Research invites you to their first-ever virtual research meets activism panel. Sister Song defines reproductive justice as the human right to maintain personal bodily autonomy, have children or not have children and parent the children we have in safe and sustainable communities. This dynamic panel will include Damara Jenkins, certified nurse and midwife at UofL, uh, Aaron Smith, a Kentucky Health Justice Network representative, Kabira Yakini, Mama to Mama, and with closing statements by the keynote speaker this year, Loretta Ross. This event is free and open to the public. You just need to register at bit.ly, bit.ly slash ABI panel, bit.ly slash ABI panel for the Ann Braden Institute's Illuminating the Intersections Reproductive Justice is Racial Justice panel on Thursday, 9 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. online. Also on Thursday from noon to four, as you heard last week, it's this year's Louisville Sustainability Council Annual Summit. The 2020 Louisville Sustainability Summit is going to be all virtual and will focus on equity, inclusion, and education with the theme of Climate Crossroads, exploring the intersections of climate change and social justice, and will feature internationally recognized climate justice leader Elizabeth Ian Pierre, as well as a panel of local, regional, and national National speakers with diverse backgrounds speaking about issues of race, health, and equity in relation to climate change. And it will be a space for unpacking and understanding through productive, progressive conversation followed by action steps you can take today. The summit will conclude with an open conversation between Mayor Greg Fisher and Dr. Carolyn Finney. Dr. Finney is an expert in diversity and equity within climate change. You won't want to miss her. To reserve your spot, go to LouisvilleSustainabilityCouncil.org. Again, this year's Louisville Sustainability Summit takes place online this Thursday from noon to four. Learn all about it and get registered at LouisvilleSustainabilityCouncil.org. Also coming up on Thursday at 1 p.m., it's uh, another online event, the Bird-Friendly and Biophilic City, integrating safe, natural habitats into urban design and planning. Tim Beatley, the Teresa Hines Professor of Sustainable Communities at UVA, will outline the essential elements of a biophilic city and provide examples of cities that have successfully integrated biophilic elements from the building to the regional level around the world. Beatley will also look at how these changes can make our built environment safer for birds and how better integrating the built and natural environments can improve quality of life for people while also protecting natural habitats. Find out more and register for this free webinar that's Thursday at 1 p.m. at smartgrowth.org. Also Thursday at 3 p.m., the No Waste Louisville webinar series continues, and it and continues through November 19th every Thursday at 3. This is Louisville Metro Waste Management District's No Waste virtual webinar series, educating residents on recycling, food waste reduction, and reusing and repurposing. And you can register and learn more about them at nowastelouisville.org slash webinars, and that's K-N-O-W, wastelouisville.org. And coming up this Thursday, the 12th, it's a webinar on reuse and repurpose. Reusing and repurposing items can save you money and have a big impact on the health of our planet. You can learn more and get inspired this Thursday at 3 p.m. Just go to nowastelouisville.org slash webinars. 
Also, Thursday evening, yeah, you might be webinared out if you do it all. But hey, at 7 p.m. online, it'll be All Eyes on Louisville Women's Gender and Sexuality Studies Fall Social Justice Speaker Series from the University of Louisville. It's continuing this Thursday at 7 p.m. And the topic this week is All of Us or None of Us, Connecting the Dots Between Black Lives Matter in Louisville and the Americas. How do our struggles for social justice and freedom in Louisville intersect with and relate to social justice? justice struggles throughout the hemisphere. This panel offers transnational approaches to activism and the movements for black lives. Panelists include Karen Moya, Adult Services Coordinator for the Americana Center here in Louisville, Sarah Nunez, a doctoral student at UofL and former director of the Cultural Center, T. Gonzalez, founder of Louisville Trans Men, and moderated by Kara Snyder, Assistant Professor of Women's and Gender and Sexuality Studies at UofL. You can learn more and find the link to join at at louisville.edu slash sustainability under events. That's it for Thursday, but on Friday, it's $5 Friday's Family Forest Forays continuing at Bernheim Forest down in Claremont, Kentucky, every Friday through Thanksgiving. There are two sessions each day, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. or 1 to 2 p.m. Bernheim is happy to offer this opportunity for families to come out to the forest for a hike with a Bernheim naturalist every Friday. There'll be two hikes every day, 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. Each Friday will feature a new hike to a different place for exploration and adventure and a little bit of learning space is limited and distancing protocols will be enforced masks will be required it's five dollars per person registration required by 4 p.m on the thursday prior to the program so call 502-955-8512 or go to bernheim.org to get yourself registered for this friday's five dollar friday family forest foray either at 10 a.m or 1 p.m this weekend's going to be great. On Saturday, November 14th from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m., it's the annual Neighborhood Summit, a one-day conference that showcases community-building success stories and celebrates neighborhood development across the Louisville community. Through interactive workshops and an engaging keynote speaker, Neighborhood Summit attendees will learn about community achievements, make valuable connections, and come away inspired. Tickets are $10. You can email info at Center for neighborhoods.org for information about discounts for neighborhood association members and scholarships for those living in low to moderate income census tracts. The 2020 Neighborhood Summit keynote speaker this year is Jim King, president and CEO of FAHE. For 30 years, Jim King has worked to advance opportunity for the people and communities of Appalachia. In 1990, he moved Appalachia to become one of the first staff members at FAHE. Since becoming president in 2000, Mr. King has led Fahe through a period of unprecedented growth in impact, lending, and territory. He established Fahe's reputation as a national authority on Appalachia, rural issues, and persistent poverty. Fahe is on a mission to eliminate that persistent poverty in Appalachia. Their unique collaborative model connects a network of local, regional, and national leaders, all working together to uplift our nation's rural spaces. You can learn more about him and his work on Saturday's Neighborhood Summit from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Again, go to centerforneighborhoods.org to learn more and get yourself registered.
Also Saturday the 14th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. It's the Sierra Club Kentucky Chapter's annual gathering. It's all virtual this year. Time for reflection on the role of Sierra Club in addressing racial justice and to explore the connections between environmental and social concerns. In an effort to understand these inequalities and their foundation, the Kentucky Chapter's annual gathering will feature speakers acknowledging uh, who are knowledgeable of racial and social inequities, as well as provide time for participant discussion of what we've learned and how we can do and how we can participate. Speakers for November 14th are decidedly qualified to address these topics. It'll be State Rep. Charles Booker, who participated in the Democratic primary for senator earlier this year and supports the Green New Deal and is now spearheading a Hood to the Holler initiative to unite Kentuckians in a common cause of inclusion and justice. Also speaking will be Carolyn Finney. So if you missed her at the Louisville Sustainability Summit, you can hear her on Saturday at Sierra Club's Kentucky Chapter Annual Gathering. She's author of Black Faces, White Spaces, where she explores the disparate experiences of African-Americans and whites in the environment and the environmental movement. There will be opportunity for Q&A with each speaker, followed by a short period of chapter-wide discussion of these issues among those attending. This meeting is open to members and non-members of the club alike. It's free, but registration is required in order to get the Zoom link and to participate. So for more information and registration, go to sierraclub.org slash Kentucky. Also Saturday the 14th from 1 to 2.20 online, it's a warmer home, cooler climate before you buy tips for replacing your heating system. If your furnace or boiler is getting up in years or is inefficient, your utility bills leave you feeling like you're throwing good money after bad or you can't just can't get warm despite dressing for the weather. Well, Louisville Climate Action Network can help. Suitable for home and small business owners, this online workshop will offer experience-based consumer tips for deciding whether you should replace your heating equipment, and if so, how to choose more energy-efficient, cost-effective equipment suited for your needs. They'll also cover how to choose a reputable contractor who will meet your needs professionally for a fair price. Donation of any amount is required. You can find the link to register at louisvillecan.org, louisvillecan.org for the Climate Action Network for Saturday's 1 p.m. Warmer Home Cooler Climate Workshop. And finally, on Saturday the 14th in the evening, 6.30 to 8 p.m., Real Good News, Local Action for Climate Care, a virtual conversation. You can join the members of Real, the Renewable Energy Alliance of Louisville, to learn more about what Louisville is doing for the sake of our climate. Keynote speakers include Sam Avery, Nancy Givens, and Margaret Stewart from the Renewable Energy Alliance of Louisville. The guest speakers, Marcus Winkler, District 17 Metro Councilman. Music will be by John Gage. Registration for this free Zoom event is at stpaulchurchky.org. That's stpaulchurchky.org slash real-good-news. It's sponsored by the St. Paul United Methodist Church and Kentucky Interfaith Power and Light. And it's this Saturday at 6.30 p.m. Real Good News. And that's all the time we have for today here on Sustainability Now. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll be back again in your ears in one week's time, everybody. Be well.